0: Everyone, how's it going? This is Chris Starve back with another episode of the Wildlife Command Center podcast. It's another Michael Baran Monday, bare hands Baran. And on this episode, we're going to talk about his trip to Florida, what happens after the Wildlife Expo, because, dude, they went on some adventures. They went out into alligator country in the middle of nowhere, Florida. And they got to see a whole bunch of crazy species and interactions out there. And so we're going to get into all of that on today's episode. I really appreciate you listening. If you haven't already hit subscribe and give us an awesome five star review, that would be great. Really helps out the podcast. And share it with some friends of yours. You know, if you think that they would be interested in listening, just share it. You know, there's links in. Apple Podcasts and Spotify to make it easy to share to like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and stuff like that. Really helps the channel out. Appreciate it. Now let's jump over to Michael Baran on this episode of the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Hey, what's going on, Michael? How have you been?
1: Man, I have been doing great, fabulous, probably even better than that,
0: but you know, I don't want to brag. I'll try to keep it humble, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I do my best to kind of answer that way as well. You know, it for one thing, it's true. And second, it stands you out amongst the crowd because everybody is always either good or pretty good, you know? And number three,
1: you actually start believing it if you keep saying it long enough, regardless of how you're really doing. But today, I'm really doing good. Really, really incredibly fabulous. just came back from Orlando, had an incredible week down in florida mm-hmm. it's kind of in yankee florida you know Orlando's yankee florida yeah because orlando orlando's really not like the deep florida, florida? well i don't want to yeah. say that because it's definitely palm trees and merry-go-rounds you know especially where we were staying <laughs>
0: <laughs> palm trees and merry-go-rounds
1: yeah and little okay. and little Uh, touristy souvenir shops everywhere on every corner. Yeah.
0: Do you want a little alligator?
1: Yeah. Do you need a little stuffed alligator head? Mm -hmm. Or here's a tie-dye pair of jogging pants. You need these because they say Orlando on them. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: That actually sounds sweet.
1: Yeah, well, I bought Bonnie a cute little pair. A little matching hoodie and jogging pants set and it was (laughs) tie-dye. It was like classic Classic touristy, you know, kind of thing with the with Orlando on it and everything. Yeah, So, it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But, yeah, we had a really good trip. We went down to Orlando for the 2022 Wildlife Expo put on by the National Wildlife Control Operators Association. And uh, we had a great time with that, man. We got some really good content going to be coming out from that event. And then... Afterwards, we went on some grand adventures.
0: Yeah, I saw some alligator teaser footage.
1: Yeah, it's well, you know, I always have a plan going in mm-hmm. what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, you know, who I want to interview, things I want to see. And we had a whole plan set out for that week because, you know, once you travel, once you start traveling, it's easier and cheaper just to stay traveling. Accomplish all your goals and then come back home and finish accomplishing your goals at home. So, anyway, you know, that big snowstorm hit, they even gave it a name. It hit the south, you know, it kind of hit the midwest, mid-east, what? really. What was its name? Yeah, I don't, it was Adel or Adele or something like that. I can't, I can't remember, but but man, it dumped like 11 inches of snow on St. Louis. It shut us down. Now, I was in sunny Florida, so I wasn't affected. However, like literally for 2 <laughs> days, for 2 days nobody worked. Everybody that could work from home worked from home, and it was pretty crazy. But I was down in sunny Florida, and so we pivoted on a dime, you know. We were going to go to Albuquerque because, you know, were some rattlesnakes, there's some prey dogs, there's some scorpions, there's all kinds of cool st- things in Albuquerque, but Because flights being delayed and things not working out exactly the way they should and people not being in key places when I needed them to be. We just decided, hey, let's just stay in Florida. Let's just pivot. Let's just go see some alligators. But that storm pushed down some really cold weather and just dreary overcast. And so... It was not the best alligator-pursuing, videoing, filming climate. Like, every day it was 59, 60 degrees. And, you know, if if you're an alligator, that's like freezing.
0: So, where where are you then? Deep underwater? Or I I thought they'd be out trying to catch what little rays they could. Well, the
1: water was warmer than the air temperature. Ah. Because we're in Florida. And Orlando is not the Everglades. Orlando is sort of like the Yankee Glades. You know, the, the
0: (laughs) the northern filter. Is it pretty far north up there? I'm not like, you know, I've been to Florida a few times just doing touristy stuff. So I'm not super savvy on the geography. Well, first off, Florida is a very
1: long, narrow state. And so, Orlando is kind of like in the upper third of the state, but it is where all of the filtration and all of the drainage starts for Mm -hmm. freshwater drainage starts. And so, there certainly are plenty of animals there, plenty of animals, plenty of alligators, plenty of turtles. You don't start seeing iguanas and Burmese pythons and anacondas until you get way down south.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at my phone right now.
1: Everglades is at the very bottom tip. It really is. It really is where all the invasive stuff and the crazy stuff is. However, you know, Orlando has its fair share. So we were there and we decided we were going to go find them. So Cole Hieronymus, the Wildlife Command Center YouTube guru, videographer, editor, producer, promoter, and frontman hmm. got on the phone. And I'm going to tell you what, man, Cole, you should have Cole on this podcast. Cole is a smooth talker, man. I mean, he is a genuine promoter of Wildlife Command Center. Like, he's bought into Wildlife Command Center 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And uh, so, to listen to him talk on the phone is pretty phenomenal, He's just really smooth. And so, you know, he started he started calling around to a bunch of tours and airboats and alligator mm-hmm. sighting places and he was able to book us three exploratory airboat rides in a row, like one for each wow. day. And then one day he actually booked two for the same day. But, you know, up around Orlando, you've got some pretty big lakes. You know, you got mm-hmm. uh Lake Wade, you got Lake Kissimmee, and then you got the Oak, Lake Okeechobee. So we we got we went on these airboat rides, and they were just pretty phenomenal. Because you know, given what Cole preps people with, then we show up, and people are expecting everything that that Cole said that we would be. We just show up, and we start talking, and we start having a good time. And I'll tell you one airboat. Outfit in particular really stood out. And it was, yeah, uh, yeah it was called Gator Adventures. It was down Lake Kissimmee. We had to drive about 45 minutes from where we were staying in South Orlando. And so this is kind of like once you hit a certain place about halfway through, you knew you were getting into the quote unquote backwoods of Florida mm. because everywhere you look was nothing but oranges and orange trees. That's what the backwoods of Florida looks like. Oranges and orange trees. And by the way, we stopped and we picked some uh, tangerines. You know, they're just growing on the side of the road. And oh my gosh, something about picking the fruit right off the tree.
0: You know? Dude, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I live out here, dude. And I don't take literally about every fifth person, not even kidding, every fifth house has citrus growing in the yard just straight up in the yard. And dude, I don't take advantage nearly as much as I should. And I just started recently. Dude, pull it off the tree, unwrap it and eat it right there. Yeah. So good.
1: I especially like it if it's warm, almost hot, like when the sun's shining straight (laughs) on it, You know, which is totally opposite of how I care for fruit. I mean, I usually like fruit to be cool and juicy out of the refrigerator. But when it's hot... It's like as soon as you peel that citrus peel, you get all this of the citrus gas in your face, you know, and then it just yeah. tastes so sweet when it's so warm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I just love it to death. And anyway, we were in deep Florida, man. I mean, not really because we were just... An hour away from Orlando, but, but you could definitely <laughs> tell you were in the woods. And then as you got closer, we started noticing that we were dipping down. Of course, you know, Florida is pretty flat. And if you're above sea level, most of the time you're lucky. <laughs> it started dipping down and we knew we were getting close to the lake. But anyway, we pull up to this fish camp. And we get out, and immediately, there's a group of like seven or eight people, and they've got these just two-by-four boards all set up, and they got a campfire going, and they're like, hey, you know, they're waving. Now, you know, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and they're waving. We're right there. we to start talking. We just start talking. And I started getting that backwoods, Louisiana-friendly hometown vibe right away, and they started offering us freshly shucked oysters. Oh, dude. Freshly shucked oysters, both raw and steamed or smoked. And on top of that, they had citrus that they had picked right up the road, and they had real Louisiana hot sauce, like the brand name, Louisiana hot sauce. And they're like, hey, you want some oysters? And I was like, yes, I do. And I was sitting there and they would hand me a, a freshly shelled oyster and I'd put a little hot sauce on it. i squeeze a little bit of that orange on it. And man, it was so good. I wanted to just stay there and, and hang
0: out with them, you know? Of course, dude. I mean, I can't even imagine how, how much that must have resounded with you. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Big time.
1: Because, you know, fish camps in Louisiana, man, you pull up. It doesn't matter if you're a stranger and they don't know you, whatever. But if you pull up and you walk out to where people are gathered, they're going to start talking to you like they know you, you know? And this was the same way. Well, anyway, we we excused ourselves and was we like, wait, we got to go talk to the captain. And so we went down there and we was talking to the captain. We actually talked to the owner of the facility And then the captain came in that was going to be our airboat captain for the day. His name was Wormy. What? His name was Wormy. It was he look, he had an official (laughs) shirt pressed. His shirt was pressed, official logo on it, looking sharp, man. I mean, presentation was spot on. But you know, you know, it's going to be a good time if your captain's name on his shirt is Wormy. Is Wormy. Oh, my gosh. And evidently, <laughs> <laughs> Nick nickname came from when he was in high school, but he was really good at controlling that airboat. Now, we were on a medium-sized airboat. You know, airboats really come in a few different sizes from a 16-passenger to a three-passenger airboat. And you can imagine a three-passenger airboat was a little tiny little thing, can really get around. 16-passenger airboat, pretty big, but still can get around but we were in a midsize airboat. But I'm going to tell you what, man, he could maneuver that airboat and get that airboat into any position you wanted. And we got out in the water and we'd been out for for a little while and I'll tell you all about that. But this part was really cool. I would lay down in a prone position on the very front of the boat and put my iPhone over the edge and I was videoing some like right into the weeds kind of thing. Cole was like, "Hey, can you go faster?" And Wormy's like, "Yes, I can." So he was going fast, and then we get into this open spot where it's like the weeds coming out of the grass. Can you can't even see the water hardly is about six, seven inches, and it's just like so dense and so solid. You would think there's got to be dry land here somewhere. But anyway, he cranked it up, and then he says, "Hold on!" And I was like, you know, I'm like all spread out, so I spread my legs out real far and yeah, locked my elbows just... in, and. He starts doing donuts in the grass. <laughs> and he just go really oh, fast. And then he would cut it. The airboat would spin, but it would slide backwards because it's flat bottom boat. You know, just yeah. But he sat there and did donuts in the grass for like I don't know, a few minutes or so. But I got some really cool video of it. It looks pretty cool <laughs> because because you, when you're spinning, you know, you start. The momentum of the boat keeps you going in the direction you were going, and he spins it, and so you're actually going backwards as the boat spins. And it was it was really cool. We had a really good time. I'm gonna tell you, just in general, if you've not been on some airboat tours, just riding the airboat. Like I think it's one of those things that's just underrated, and people don't don't get it. Maybe it sounds a little intimidating or whatever, but Just riding in an airboat, like not even going to look for the alligators in that environment is thrilling and is reasonable, like reasonably priced. Now, Cole did an excellent job getting us in at no cost because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to trade out, doing the video, giving them plug in our YouTube channel, you know, getting some shout outs. Just like when we went to the Range 702. Mm Mm-hmm. We got in there, got to shoot all those machine guns at, at no cost because Cole did, this, did his magic talking to him on the phone. But anyway, so most people are only going to have to pay 30 or $40 for an airboat ride. You know, it's that cheap. Wow, still? Yeah. That's, that's nothing. Especially for a two-hour tour on an airboat. Like, airboats are just cool. But anyway, our Captain Wormy, man, he, he really was able to get... <laughs> Get into those, get into those <laughs> little weird. nooks and crannies. And the other thing is, uh. even though it was cold and it was overcast, he still put us on alligators, and he put us on young alligators, like little bitty alligators that just hatched out a month or so oh, ago. Did you grab some? Please come on. So, in the state of Florida, there are some laws. So there are permits that you have to pull to be able to actually. Capture touch alligators of any sort, what yes, you can't capture or touch alligators, but I can tell you that I got so close that I literally put my phone on an inch away from some of these alligators, you know well that's cool yeah it was it it was pretty cool you definitely got to see some really good anatomy we uh we did some anatomy stuff, got to get right up in there. It's just cool, oh, also, these alligators were really, really dark like almost black and really clean. Well, one, because we didn't find any bull alligators at all. Everything we saw was a female. But these these alligators were black because the water was clear. Like where you could see the water, you parked the vegetation, you could see straight to the bottom. You know, it was wow. it's really clear. And so these alligators were very dark because they're used to sitting on the bottom, waiting to ambush prey and they need they need to blend in and so that water being as clear as it is with all the vegetation the darker they are the better they blend in and so Interesting. they were just very very clean dark dark animals you know so it was pretty cool we did find a few that were out and sunning all of them had names in the video
0: you'll hear the captain telling the names of these particular animals i'm sure he sees you know with as You know, okay, so there's not in any given water system, there's not, you know, unlimited huge mature animals, right? And so they're probably going to have their favorite areas. And so it makes sense that they would have, you know, that he would name them because he sees them there all the time, probably. Yeah. The bull alligators are very transient, they move around a
1: lot, depending on who's biggest. The best places go to the biggest. Don't know if our listeners know that, but in the animal world,
0: there's no such thing as fair. No, <laughs> it's whoever can fight the best at that given time.
1: It's whoever is the biggest, whoever is the baddest, the loudest, the most aggressive. They're the ones that get the best spots. But the bull alligators are pretty transient, you know. Now. Once they move into breeding season, which he was telling us was like April-ish part of of the year, ooh, which is coming up, then the bull alligators will stake out territories wherever the most female alligators are, and the biggest bull alligator gets the most females, depending on how much territory he can control and protect and patrol, mm-hmm. you know. But the females pretty much stay wherever they. Feel the best opportunity to eat is gonna yeah. be you know but the females are kind of territorial in the same way because the bigger females stake out their territory they're not as aggressive and also they're kind of passive aggressive like big female alligator doesn't have to do too much to move a smaller female alligator <laughs> along you know like just a little bit of uh, poising, positioning threatening bluffing you know, they're like, eh, we don't want confrontation. We're going to leave, you know, and then, and then they just go on. But we, we found this one big female alligator. She's probably about 12 foot long. She, um, her name was Annabelle. And she was just laying up on some floating vegetation, you know, probably about, had smushed the vegetation down. Is about an inch of water around her. But not far from her, we found her young that hatched out in, you know, either late November or December, hmm. which is, so the animals make two clutches a year, typically, then they skip a year, according to our, our captain in this particular lake. Two clutches a year? Yeah, they'll lay two clutches a year, and then they'll skip a year, and then they'll come back and lay another one or two clutches. Of course, you know, it all depends on availability food, success of how well they can hunt, and those types of things.
0: Never heard of that.
1: But yeah, these, and that's why these animals hatch so late in the year, you know? And we're talking the, allig- the, the young alligators we saw couldn't be but a, a few weeks old, five weeks at most. Wow, so they were tiny. Yeah, they were little bitty things. And this was in February when we were there, you know, the first week of February. Wow. And so it was pretty cool. It w- it really was pretty cool. And you know the captain was very knowledgeable. He was he even showed us a few old nests and it's pretty cool because you could see where the nest was built, you could see how much how different it looked. You could see how much the vegetation had deteriorated and started to decay and then you could see a very distinct chunk taken out of it where the female uncovered the young. Yeah, once they start chirping Once they started hatching and started calling to her, you could see where she she kind of pulled the mound out. But one of the things that's very deceptive about this type of ecosystem is like, you'll come along places where you think it's an island because there's woody trees growing, like, you know, the cottonwood and some of these other types of trees, but it's deceiving as heck because it's only about 18 inches thick of rotting vegetation And then the other interesting part is that these little islands form from the top down a little bit, but mostly they form from the bottom up. So what ends up happening is a lot of vegetation dies and it floats up. And these little islands with these trees have a lot of fine roots growing down. And so they lock in this vegetation as it floats up underneath it. And so it starts to decay and these fine roots just hang on to it and grab onto it and make it thicker and thicker. And you can Whoa. step on it. As soon as you put all your weight down, it starts to sink. Oh, geez. And then if you, were to, <laughs> if you were to jump out on it, what happens is it looks stable. It really does. It's very, very deceiving. But when you jump out on it, you just basically fall right through the middle of it and then you're under yeah. it, like ceiling. If it's steep enough, you know, which Ugh, a lot of God. places in this that's lake, pretty dude. Deep. oh yeah, man, it's like, Ugh. it'd be the worst. And then you can't grab anything for purchase. Now, I'm just going off stories that the, the captain was telling us, but I could visualize it and see it in my mind. But it, it is pretty crazy. But, but that's, how, that's how that whole ecosystem works and how the, that water is filtered out there. And it's, it's pretty amazing. That whole area, that ecosystem is just its own living, breathing organism within itself. And when you're out and you're part of it, you really get to understanding that, hey, you know, there's a lot of things that are so much bigger than we are. Yeah. I mean, even when you consider this lake that we run, Lake Kissimmee, they estimated that there was 7,500 alligators plus or minus 1,000 every year. And that's one of the smaller lakes that have fewer alligators on it. When we were on Lake Okeechobee, they estimated mm-hmm. that there was twelve thousand alligators on that lake, plus or minus three or four thousand alligators. Know? And that's with an engagement hunting and harvesting program where humans can get permits to go and remove the eggs and that's how they fuel the alligator farms with the eggs that they remove from the wild, they are able to take 90% of the eggs that are laid for the alligator farms. And then they have a trophy class bull alligator hunting, and then they have meat alligator hunting. And so even with all of that, this alligator population is as large as it is. Now, another interesting fact is that I can distinctly remember. So, I was born in 1965. And so, in the early 70s, I was a young man, a a young boy. Mm -hmm. I can specifically remember around 1973, 1974, somewhere in that area, where I was reading an article in Field and Streams about protecting the North American alligator and how there was only 7,000 North American alligators in all of North America combined, Is it because we just hunted the heck out of them back then? Yeah, we, especially in Louisiana and some of these southern Gulf Coast, it was like regular thing to go kill as many alligators as you could. For one, the hides, but also for two, the meat. And so there were no protections in place. There was nothing, you know? And so everybody participated like it was just a common thing if you found if you came across an alligator you shot it and ate it and so because you had so many people constantly after them and and relatively speaking they're easy yeah they just sit there you know and if you've got a gun you just yeah you know and and so with with no protections in place it's just easy peasy anyway i can remember this article it was like a couple thousand alligators in all of north america and then we're on this lake And the guy tells me that there's like 7,500 alligators on this lake. Just on that lake. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. You know, it made me stop and think, hey, conservation and conservation efforts really work. Was that reflected in what you were seeing? Like, were you not seeing alligators growing up? Yeah, we, we didn't see many alligators, not like today. I mean, today almost everybody gets to see an alligator. Whenever I was growing up, we knew where a few alligators were. And we knew where some Mm -hmm. of these, we knew where some young alligators were, but you had to go hunt them, you know? And the other thing is they were not very big. My memory of alligators is they were all small, four foot alligators, four or five foot alligators. That's all, that's all you ever saw anywhere. By the time you got big, you were easier pickings. And also just like human nature, we want to go get the biggest one. You know, we want to capture the biggest one, you know? Yep. That's just the way human nature is. But, you know, the other thing, too, is like white-tailed deer. When I was that age, in the early 70s, you couldn't find white-tailed deer. They were nowhere to be found. Wow! If people went hunting and a group of 12 people killed a deer, it was a big deal. Like, I I can remember people, groups, our folks that had captured alligators or, I mean, had shot a deer, a white-tailed deer, and they were... Wow, you know. I can also remember seeing a bald eagle when we went went down to Baton Rouge on a a field trip, seeing a bald eagle, and it was such a big deal.
0: Like, Mm -hmm. wow, there's a bald eagle. They really do exist, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that as a kid, too. Huge deal.
1: Yeah. And I just saw one yesterday. And now, when we were on the swamp tour, I mean, the, the airboat rides... Looking for alligators, we saw everything, and we saw something really, really cool—like something you would never guess. Like
0: I, I didn't even know. Okay, give me a hint. Let me try and guess. Um, it's got feathers. Okay, ivory billed woodpecker.
1: No, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you know, there were there were almost no trees where we were at all. Like, oh, it was just straight up swamp. Trees were. S- yeah, we went into a couple of these little bayou. I call them bayous; they call them rivers. But there was a few small cypress trees. There's plenty of stuff. We did go to this one island that had some really cool live oak trees on it, but it was an anomaly. You know, it wasn't the surrounding terrain. But I'll give you another
0: clue: it right. was a it was a bird of prey. Okay, so something you would not. <gasps> did you see a snail kite? Oh, we did.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but that we, we actually saw three of them. I was confused as to what they were at first because they looked so much like a Harris Hawk except for this dainty little uh, beak, you know, and the fact that they were following our airboat and when we would go through the grass they were snatching snails. And then really. Yeah, they so wow. he went in and he did a little zigzag. And we spun us around, and we sat there and waited, and snail kites came in. Three of them came in, and they would grab a snail, and then they would fly over to a little patch of vegetation. And then they would eat their snail right there, right in front of us, like super close. We got some really good video of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was a male and two female snail kites came in. But, you know, they got this white rump patch, and they got these very Harris Hawk-like colors to them. Interesting. You know? They're about the size of a male Harris Hawk, you know. They were really cool to watch because they'd eat a snail. They'd fly over, catch another one. They'd sit there and they'd eat it. They'd fly over and catch another one. Jeez. And then we found out that Florida Fish and Wildlife had brought in this special snail called an apple snail. And this apple snail become very, very populated. And there's two types of snails that are very similar. The canal snail. And the apple snail. The apple snail grows to be the size of your, if you take your hand and you make a, a monster claws like that, about that big, like about eight inches across. Whoa. What? Eight inches? Yeah, they're huge. They're like a really big apple. Good Lord. I mean, I guess that's why they... But it's pretty cool because they lay these bright pink egg sacs. And so you can see where the egg sacs are because they lay these right above the waterline. Like an expose okay. there. But the snail kite, but they brought them in for the snail kites because the, uh, the canal, long history, too big of a story. But anyway, they, they brought them in and they really populated and they're, they're everywhere. But the snail kites only like to grab snails that are about an inch across in diameter. Oh, I guess geez. that's... I guess that's their break-even, where there's plenty to eat, but still able to crush the shell because they they kind of do like a can opener thing with yeah, their beaks, and they pop it open, yeah, and, and then they fish the snail out. But anyway, we got a couple of big shells, big snail shells out of that. But the bird I was okay. talking about, I didn't know that there was established populations of them in in uh, Florida, but it's the northern crested caracara.
0: Oh wow! No kidding.
1: Yeah. Oof, they're starting to spread. Beautiful bird. Very colorful. Mm -hmm. You know, they got those great oranges and yellows in their beak and black and that black racing stripe down their head. But we went up this little river and the airboat captain, he parks the airboat kind of up on the the bank a little bit so it'll stay. He starts hollering. He goes really loud. He's going, Jake! Jake! And uh, Cole didn't know. What was going on? But I had asked some questions when we were at the shop, and they're like, Yeah, we can take you out there to see some. So he starts calling. And sure enough, after about three minutes, this low scrub here comes this crested caracara flying over the horizon oh over the low scrubs. And he comes and he sits right in front of the boat on the ground <laughs> or stands in front of the boat. Oh, man. Not real close, probably 50 feet away or so. Mm-hmm. But they get out these orange peanut butter crackers. And they sit there and they toss it to him. And the caracara cara gets the crackers, flips it open, and eats all the peanut butter out of it. Get out of here. Serious, serious. Predatory meat-eating
0: bird eating peanut butter.
1: Well, you know, caracaras are very omnivorous. They're scavengers. They, they'll, huh. they'll eat any of the fruits. They'll sit there and eat blackberries right off a blackberry bush. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's available, they will eat including peanut butter crackers.
0: <laughs>
1: Apparently. So it, it was pretty cool, though, to see it because I've never seen a caracara that far east. We're as far east as you can possibly get. So the captain said there's 400 pair of caracaras in Florida. Goodness. But I have to think there might be more than that because once you know something is in place and you know The caracaras are there. Then we started seeing them everywhere. Yeah, But yeah, we saw several caracara on the way back from that trip on top of telephone poles, waiting for the cars to go so they could fly down and eat some (laughs) roadkill. Classic. It was pretty neat. But we saw some uh, spoonbills. We saw multiple types of ibises. We saw every herring and egret that Florida had to offer that far north. You know, yeah. there was a bunch of stuff. And then bald eagles. We were finding bald eagles. You know, they were all pairing up. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they got pretty large territories. But it was a two-hour tour when we were looking for the the alligators. So we covered a lot of ground, especially since you just go straight over the top of the vegetation. Yeah. You know. Super, super cool. But there's gonna be some great video coming out of that. Just a good time all the way around in general. And I got to get into an, an ecosystem that I'm not real familiar with, you know? And so, I've been, been doing a lot of study about it. Open marsh, right? Yeah. Yeah. They call it drainage marsh or filtration marsh. That makes sense, given how clean the water was. Yeah. So, it's got it's kind of got me excited to go back down on a planned trip to deal with some iguanas and some Burmese pythons. And hopefully... Hopefully, some anaconda, because there's a dude on the YouTube, his name's the Python Cowboy, right? Um, Also known as Trapper Mike. That's better. Python (laughs) Cowboy fits this dude, you know, because he's one of 23 full-time Python hunters paid by the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And he can definitely put you on some pythons. But what I'd really like to find is there is a established niche that the green anaconda is hunting now in Florida. Now, of course, you know, it's an invasive species. I know everybody's heard about it. But there's not as many as people think there are. No, but not there's enough that you can go down there and find some. And this guy, this the python cowboy... If you look up his YouTube stuff, it's actually pretty entertaining, some of it, you know? But, you know, it's just that ecosystem down there that's so unique. Mm-hmm. And being that I'm so far removed from that, you know, we do have an office in Cape Coral, Florida now, mm-hmm. but that's still kind of north. You know, Cape Coral's by Fort Myers. Still, that's kind of north, even though they do have iguanas there because um Sarah... You know, one of our customer service representatives, office support staff, she sends me pictures every once in a while of an iguana that's coming and going, you know? Hmm. That's funny. Yeah. But the Orlando trip was super fun. I mean, just a ton of fun. Educational. We got some great video to YouTube video out of it. People were super nice down there. We had a really good time all the way around. Plus, we learned a lot at the Wildlife Expo. I mean, you can't help but go to that wildlife expo and come back packed full of new knowledge. Yeah, that's
0: what Chance was telling me. He learned a bunch of good stuff about growing the business and crazy new mousetrap that he's excited to use. He was raving about this (laughs) mousetrap. Well, speaking of mousetraps, what do you think about the last two videos I posted? I am all good on the rat traps, man. I've snapped one on my thumb before, like the bigger of them, you know, like the big victor. And I think I fractured my thumb. This was a couple of years ago, but my thumb was aching, like the bone of my thumb was aching for about a month.
1: Yeah, and if your uh, listeners haven't seen, I put out a YouTube video that was designed around pet safety, but also how strong are the rat traps and how much gripping power do they have? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, I literally used my bare hand because, you know, bare hands, Yeah, Got to use your bare hands. But I wanted to know. I wanted to know what it felt like. I wanted to know exactly how painful it was. I wanted to know exactly how well these things gripped. And to me, it was just one of those things where, hey, man, you're 56 years old and you don't know. I assume, but until you actually put your fingers in there, you don't know.
0: So, now I know. Now you know. Hey, how speaking of barehandedness, how was your barehandedness received at the expo?
1: Oh, it was phenomenal, man. We nonstop talked the whole time I was there. Even the one or two naysayers that we had Mm -hmm. were super friendly to my face. We talked Wildlife Command Center and positivity and good things the whole time we were there. As a matter of fact, I was mentally
0: and emotionally drained every day oh and that's why dude that video (laughs) that video that cole should have made a reels of you obviously mentally drained (sighs) i can't wait till i can just go catch some alligators this weekend (laughs) that was so funny dude (laughs) i was just so
1: drained like i i couldn't even think straight you know I was just so so fatigued from engaging because you know we would get there at eight o'clock in the morning and then we wouldn't leave till three four o'clock in the afternoon, and the whole time I was there, I was engaged with someone. Yeah. You know? And so so it was a really really good trip. I mean everybody everybody was very supportive. Everybody was very super positive. Everybody was very willing to talk to us and people actually stood around in circles. When I was talking to one person, we would have three or four or five people standing around in a circle, not only just listening, but wanting their turn to talk, to engage. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it was, it was really good. We went and stood by the NACOA booth, you know, the National Wildlife Control Operators Association's booth, just constant engagement while we were there. And then, of course, we went and saw our friends at Wildlife Control Supplies. For a while, we were at their booth every single day, and we were talking about new products, innovative things that are coming to the market, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we were we had a really good, really engaging time. We didn't have any negativity. We didn't have anybody throwing shade. Awesome. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. You know, it was all just really good. Where's the next adventure? Yeah. Well, then. Chronologically speaking, the next adventure is going to be back to Las Vegas. We're going down to another red carpet premiere event. However, this time, I was the executive producer for the Lucky Sevens Film Challenge, where we try to encourage filmmakers that have never finished a feature film. So we're going to go down there for that film festival. It's, It's two days. It's the 26th and the 27th. But two of our filmmakers did not finish their films. And so I have a Wildlife Command Center Bare Hands Baran block of two hours where we are showing the Bear Hands Rescue show. Mm-hmm. Then we're showing the zombie resurrection film, short film that we made here in St. Louis at the headquarters. And then we're showing the, the Rodents of Unusual Size documentary. And so it's, it literally is the Wildlife Command Center Bare Hands Baran block you know so it's going to be really good because there's a lot of people there i've got a really big film family in in las vegas and so there's going to be a lot of people there a lot of people are are really excited to watch both you know and then we got a small niche of people that really want to see the zombie thing shot on the iphone 13 pro you know and i'm going to tell you man it is incredible it looks so good Is that like the premiere premiere or is it done and like, can I watch it on YouTube? Eventually. So what we're going to do is, so on the 19th of February, we're going to do a premiere screening for just a small group of about 30 people here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to show it at the film festival. Then we're going to enter it to all of the film festivals, especially the horror-based film festivals. Yep. And then after that, post it up on YouTube probably
0: Nice. Unless it's really well... Received, and then you'll keep it exclusive?
1: Well, we'll probably put it on some paid platform Uh, at that point, you know? Interesting. It's easy enough to get things put on paid platforms nowadays. I mean, Amazon Prime doesn't take much to get that platform, but we've also been considering Patreon,
0: you know? Mm. Your own? Wildlife Command Center Patreon?
1: Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to it because... I really feel like people should be able to just see this stuff for free. But at the same time, there was a lot of effort put into that and talent, and um, it really, really turned out well. The cinematography is great. The iPhone 13 Pro is incredible. And the talent that we used in making it was pretty phenomenal. We brought Maya Blue in, a SFX makeup artist out of Las Vegas. She flew in to do all the makeup and the special effects and the prosthetics. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, local famous model named Nikki Serenity. She was the um, the main character in it. And then of course, Bear Hands Barron, zombie hunter extraordinaire, was in it. And then uh, of course, the Brad Prime, who is a really well known photographer in the St. Louis area, and he's also the producer, the director, and the camera guy for this feature. He's he's got a small part in it where he plays a doctor. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Everybody should really look forward to that. Of course, when it does come out, we'll be posting it to our Facebook page, to our Instagram page. I'll be doing some TikToks on my personal TikTok page. You know, it's going to be on Facebook, of course. Of course.
0: That's just where we put stuff. Because it's easy. It is. I don't know if this is completely off of your radar because we're focused on fattening the other offices this year, but do you think there will be an operator for our Wildlife Command Center in Vegas? In 2022? No. No? Okay.
1: Well, so, so I'm more interested in growing the company thick Yes, now, of course. I and agree. not long. But however, if the opportunity presents itself, we, we are ready to pull the trigger on Las Vegas. It definitely is a good market for us. It fits our demographics.
0: What opportunity? Like the right person or like if you land like a 50K job or something?
1: No, it would definitely be if some particular advertising methods become available um, that I can grab. Yeah. If the right person shows up and that is just their dream to operate in Vegas, or if somebody somebody comes across my path, a technician-wise, that is just really, really, really good with shooting pigeons. Yeah. Macked out, passionate about it. Those are all things. Or... You know, if I get a good deal on five or six trucks, you know, right now trucks are <laughs> really the only thing that's holding us back. Yeah, seriously. Any of those things, you never know. We're we're poised. You know, it's one of those things if we get lucky and mm-hmm. if the opportunity runs right into us, we'll just we'll take advantage of it and everybody will think we're super lucky. What? <laughs> <laughs> of course, right?
0: Wow, you just you're just so that's lucky. That's the way it
1: goes. You know, everybody thinks I've, I've been so lucky so far. And so, you know, we'll just continue that. You're just a leopard waiting for the right opportunity. You know, day before yesterday, I had a Zoom call with my social media team. Mm-hmm. And then I was sitting in the office yesterday by myself. Nobody was around. I look up on the chalkboard. And three years ago, I had written this triangle. And, you know, it said YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And then it says at the bottom, incorporate it. And it had arrows drawn up to it. And that was kind of my, it's been my plan, you know, to promote and move our brand forward, you know, by utilizing those three platforms and interconnecting them. And so it's really helpful. Facebook and Instagram play nice with each other because, you know, basically they're becoming part of the metaverse. And and also... um Nobody really plays nice with YouTube because Facebook really wants video dumped straight onto Facebook nowadays. Yeah.
0: But they freaking chew
1: it up so bad. Yeah, but you know, people on Facebook, people on... They're really not looking... They're not playing the stuff on their HDTV, you
0: know? No, they're Yeah, they're just on their phone.
1: However, I will tell you this. When we are at the Airbnb... We had Chance and Lakin and Corinne and Sarah, myself, Tim Cooler, and Cole, all in that one house, which was pretty phenomenal. We had a really big, big screen TV in the living room. And so we played Wildlife Command Center videos 24-7. Like, we were always watching Wildlife Command Center videos because amazingly, get this, the people that are closest to me don't watch my videos.
0: <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah. That's the craziness of it, you know. I've got all these good teachable moments and educational things right there to be I feel absorbed.
0: You. People closest to me don't listen to my podcast. You listen to my podcast? Do you listen to our episodes? So yeah, I listen to the podcast every Monday.
1: <laughs> and and Jeez. and I listen to the whole thing, but mostly it's just to hear myself speak. Mm-hmm critiquing myself constantly going you know what you uh you said so too many times. so quite a bit you know and uh, there's a, there's a, f- a few other key phrases that I'm trying to wean myself of that I say quite often yeah so you know then some of that's just that's just how I am you mm-hmm. know that's that's what you get it's not it's not so
0: bad at least i don't um no you you don't um i think i'm a like i'm a like guy too much, at least with chance. I was listening to one of me and Chance's episodes the other day, and I was a bit of a, a bit of a like guy. Well, you know, if you're
1: if you're gonna be involved with brand entertainment, you gotta pay attention to what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're yeah. presenting. You know, you really gotta pay attention to are you just this droning, boring, talking <laughs> person, or are you enunciating your words? Do you bring some energy to it? You know, do you feel like you sound excited, you know, to talk about stuff? You really have to pay attention to that. And you got to get better,
0: Yeah, you know? Yeah, I was worried. So my kind of debut was the range video. And in the beginning, I was rough, but maybe that was just a few angles. But then like towards the end, I was real fun, had some good one-liners, funny. So I mean, I was happy about that. But I'm excited to, um, I don't know, figure stuff out and get Cole out here or me over there. Like once I've got another employee here to operate while I bounce around and stuff like that, so that we can get, cause you know, it's, it's as far as the OGs and the cornerstones, it's you, me, Chance, and Bonnie, basically, right? We're the four corners of the company. So I'm excited to get, I mean, you flow with anyone, right? But I can only imagine how well the videos are going to flow when you get the three of us back together again. It's going to be bananas.
1: Yeah, it's going to be cool. Well, we, we do have a guy on board named Travis Constatel. He is down in the Sonoma area of California. So he'll probably be jumping up there once things get hopping and you get some interesting calls coming in. He's definitely going to hop up there and do some video w- with you. Sweet. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we'll we'll move people around as necessary when interesting things are happening in different places. But, you know, we are in negotiations right now with Telvin's show. So, you know, there's always going to be that. New stuff? Yeah. So, you know, Animal Plant Discovery Plus, they're having budget problems and they (laughs) ran out of time. And, you know, I've been down this road before. And so when you run out of time, you run out of time. I'll shop it to somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, not playing the waiting game, not sitting around pining for them to come to me. Eventually, we actively got it out there and started shopping it again. And so we've got a major network that we're in negotiations with right now.
0: Oh, snap.
1: And they want to go straight to series. What? They don't want to redo the whole thing. They don't want to play around. You know, they don't want to see if it's going to work. You know, they don't want to put it through the committee or through the work, the study groups. You know, they want, they're wanting oh, to go straight to series. That's so. exciting. <laughs> It'll be good stuff, man. It's going to be good stuff. Oh, man. I'm all jacked up again. The Bare Hands Rescue is permanently parked on Discovery Plus, not going yeah. anywhere. People will be able to refer back to that and watch that episode that, that mm-hmm. as, a, as a standalone series. Luckily, they've they edited in such a way that it starts well and ends well. Yes. You know, and if you want to see more, Then in the
0: meantime, then go to the YouTube channel because we're posting Command Center YouTube. Go to there, check us out, hit subscribe and like the videos. That would be sweet. Really helps. Then you're headed to Vegas. Yep. Then
1: we're gonna head to Vegas. So it'll be good things. But we also have a trip to Austin planned. We got a trip to Puerto Rico planned. We've got a trip to South Florida planned. Oh man. Yeah, the trip to Puerto Rico is going to be pretty cool. We're, we're kind of hooked up with an air gun expert and a pet specialty food company. And uh, so we're going to be going down there to remove some iguanas that are just... They're, Puerto Rico is covered up in iguanas, man. They're, they're digging invasive? out the infrastructure. They're, huh? Are they invasive there? All I know is they've had a population explosion over the last few years. Huh. And they are digging up the infrastructure... If you think nutrias are bad yes. about damaging levees, iguanas digging burrows and damaging concrete structures is a thing.
0: Are these green iguanas or like a species of rock iguana?
1: No, they're green iguanas. Wow. So burrows. I didn't know they're, that. They're creating a lot of havoc. And, you know, Puerto Rico is growing in populations, become more and more tourist destination. And so the island's population has been growing. And because of it, there's a lot of human versus wildlife conflict going on. But there's so many iguanas down there that this uh, specialty pet food company has taken a notice. And so they're going to be making some special chews and some special f- foods that are very high in calcium, keratin, and protein with little plant matter in the food. And so it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good product. And the main ingredient, of course, is iguana.
0: Wow. Yeah. And who would this be marketed for? Dogs? Dog food? Dog food, yeah. Oh, dang. Dude, can you imagine? Wildlife Command Center, in Puerto Rico.
1: Well, one of the interesting things that I've already seen is that Airbnb has a really significant footprint there. Oh, wow. of very nice homes. And so if that is true, people want to protect their investments no matter what it yes. is, whether it's a commercial building, some other type of structure or somebody's home. You know, people want to protect that stuff and green iguanas love to get into anywhere. Like like if you think squirrels and raccoons are bad, <laughs> green iguanas are just as bad. Dude, I got to see that, man. Oh, shit. It's going to be crazy, especially pulling green iguanas out of, uh, you know, the exhaust pipe for the hot water heaters? Yes. They they get on the roofs, they find that soil stack, and they go straight down. Oh, my word.
0: And they can't and, get and back? And for the
1: iguana, they're like, oh, here's this nice burrow. And they
0: don't realize there's no place to turn around, and it's a dead-end street. How in the heck are we going to get them out of there? maybe noose around the back spikes on the end of their tail or something? Oh, no, it's, it's about disconnecting it inside the, inside the structure.
1: You oh, have to geez. disconnect the piping inside the structure Oof. and then reconnect the piping. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. <laughs> but the other thing is they get down into the soil stacks in the plumbing mm-hmm. and they stop the plumbing up. A four-inch stack on a house, soil stack, is the perfect size for an iguana. And they get down in it and they're like, oh, man, cool burrow. They go all the way down till they hit an elbow or a P-trap. Then they die. And so now you got this big two-pound, three-pound stinking iguana in there. And so, again, you have to take the plumbing apart and fish out all the decomposing iguana parts and put it all back together. So a little bit more labor-intensive. Sounds like it. Maybe we'll stick to iguana shooting
0: (laughs) and trap easier. Right. Oh, if you watch Python, the the cowboy Python, he's got a really cool dog that's his iguana dog. Does he know to get right behind the right behind the neck and grab it so it can't bite him?
1: The dog is pretty phenomenal, but mostly he shoots the iguanas and the dog jumps out of the boat. Oh, and fetches them. goes up wherever the iguana is. If it's still alive a little bit, he catches it. But he retrieves the iguanas. So that's his main mission is retrieving
0: iguanas, and that dog loves his job, man. Dude, you're not whew, I'd be kind of worried about alligators. I guess if you got python cowboy, cowboy or as you like to, as you say python cowboy python give you got python a python got him, cowboy. If you've got a watch in your back, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all cool stuff. He's not worried about it at all. Awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap this puppy up. Go check out the YouTube channel, guys. We appreciate you listening if you haven't already. Hit the subscribe button and leave us an awesome review. It really does help the channel. Share it with your friends. If you think this is awesome, it would be very sweet. Michael, thank you again for coming on for another Michael Baran Monday. Yeah,
1: man, it's been great. I love it. And we uh, will continue this stuff going, you
0: know. Awesome, awesome. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. All right, have a good one. God bless.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, AKA Bear Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bear Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.